Church, can you join me in thanking our worship team this morning? Amen. And let's pray. God, we do declare this morning that you are great and greatly to be praised. And so this morning, as we come into your presence, as we exalt you and lift you high, Lord God, we pray that you would, in turn, humble us. Because, God, you deserve the glory and the praise, the honor. And, Lord, we are here to worship you. We are here not to lift ourselves up, exalt ourselves, but to lift you and you alone, Lord God. You are worthy and you are good. You are a faithful and generous God. So we do worship you this morning in community, in spirit and truth. So God, I do ask that you would humble us as we exalt you so that you would be made known, that you would get the glory, that you would shine in our lives, Lord God. Because it's nothing in our own strength and our own power. And it's all you, Lord God. So as we open up your word this morning, as we see and hear and apply it in our lives, Lord God, may you give us ears to hear, hearts that are willing and and ready, and have a posture that's ready to do your work and do your will, Lord God. So we give this time to you knowing that you are with us, that you love us, that you're guiding us along this journey together as a community. And again, for your glory and yours alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Good morning, sanctuary. Oh, good, you're, you're warmed up. That's good. That's what I like to hear. Amen. Well, good morning, Sanctuary. My name is Pastor Rose. I serve as the associate pastor here at Sanctuary, and grateful as always that we have an opportunity to worship together as a community. Well, we're going to jump right in. Our sermon series right now is called An Altar in the City. And here at Sanctuary, if you are new, which we're so glad that you're with us this morning, our vision is to be an urban, multi-ethnic, multiplying movement, reconciling people to God and one another. That's our vision. Now at our most recent Membership Matters class, as we were talking about our identity and purpose as a church, I shared with the group that if we take any identifier, if we take any part of our vision statement away, then we would be a very different church, wouldn't we? It's intentional that we say that we're an urban reconciling, multiplying church. And our intention to be an urban church matters deeply to our identity, our practice, life together, and our witness. And it is this characteristic as being this urban church, this identity that is the focus of our sermon series right now. It's really an opportunity for us to ask, what does it mean for us to be an urban church? What is our theology of the city? And more specifically, what does it mean to be a church in North Minneapolis? Now, if you've never asked those kinds of questions before, I invite you to begin that journey because those are core questions here at Sanctuary Covenant Church. These are core questions also that frame and shape this sermon series and altar in the city. 
And so far in this series, we've made tangible statements about our identity as a church and our beliefs about our life together and our witness here in North Minneapolis. And we've done that through We Believe Statements. So week one, Pastor Edrin began the series by stating, we believe that God is present and active in North Minneapolis. Amen. Amen. This is a core belief and truth that we hold as an urban church in our neighborhood. Then week two, Pastor Edrin continued with the statement, we believe that we must earn and maintain trust in North Minneapolis. Amen? Amen. Amen. And now week three, the title of this sermon is Formation and Mission in the City, Part 1. Now in short, this, is, this week we're asking, what does adult Christian formation look like in North Minneapolis? What is distinct about it? And how do we practice it? Now this is Part 1 as we look at formation and mission in the city. And next week, uh, Tara Hollingsworth, our director of Mosaic, which is our youth and family ministry, she'll continue with part two in addressing what the particularities are of formation and mission in the city for our children and our youth. And so then, what is adult formation and mission in the city? What is distinct about making and multiplying disciples in Minneapolis than from other places? Well, before answering that, I want to share this week's We Believe statement, and that is that we believe that liberation is central to our Christian life and witness in North Minneapolis. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Amen. That we believe that liberation is central to our Christian life and witness in North Minneapolis. And this statement is grounded in the intersection of adult Christian formation, the vision and the purpose of sanctuary, and our home here in North Minneapolis. And I believe, church, that at this intersection is the Christian call to liberation. And we'll understand the particularities of this liberation most clearly from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. So Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. But before we read God's word this morning, I I really want to share where we are going this morning, an outline for you to see, so you can see where we're headed today. So you can see on the slide behind me that we believe that uh, liberation is central to our Christian life and witness in North Minneapolis through first, spiritual liberation, and second, practical liberation, and we engage in liberation in the city through the built environment around us. So that's where we're headed, church, today. So that's where we're going. So if you do have a Bible with you, then please open it up to Luke chapter 4 in the New Testament, and we'll be reading verses 16 through 21. It'll also be projected on the screen behind me. Now here in Luke 4, Jesus is coming out of a time in the wilderness. He's overcome Satan's temptation, and he is returning to Galilee. And he comes to his hometown of Nazareth. And here in verse 16, it says what Jesus then does next. When he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, 
and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So sanctuary, what does Luke 4, chapter, uh, verses 16 through 21, have to do with Christian formation at the sanctuary in North Minneapolis? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, this passage is often referred to as Jesus' mission statement. And we all know that a mission statement is why an organization or a movement exists. It encompasses the overall goal. It explains what you do, how you do it, and why you do it. And for Jesus, one of the central aims is liberation, a spiritual liberation and a practical, holistic liberation. And as Jesus preaches this mission statement, this inaugural sermon in his hometown, he's speaking in Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is an agricultural village on this major trade route, and it's also close to the Galilean capital. And at the time, while Jesus was growing up in his childhood years, this capital was uh, being built, rebuilt, and, and no doubt Nazareth, as a result, was a growing community. And while Jesus is speaking these words, it's likely in the company of a diverse group of people from the village, rich and poor, seen and blind, oppressed and oppressor. And in verse 18, he begins to recite the words of Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 2, of good news. Now, from a spiritual perspective, this passage is all about deliverance, restoration, liberation that is found in salvation with God. Amen? Luke 4, Jesus' mission statement is first about a spiritual liberation. Isaiah 61.10 states this clearly, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Jesus' mission is to bring salvation to the world, good news of reconciliation with God. This is the mission of Jesus and the very foundation of our faith, that we are born again, that we are saved in Jesus our Lord. And this is the mission and the message that we are called to share with our city in North Minneapolis. Spiritual liberation ultimately is the only thing that will truly and deeply transform our neighborhood. Amen. Spiritual liberation is ultimately the only thing that will truly and deeply transform our neighborhood. But in Luke 4, like the words of Dr. James Cone, also requires more of our discipleship and our life in this city when he says that there can be no reconciliation with God unless the hungry are fed, the sick are healed, and justice is given to the poor. The justified person is at once the sanctified person. 
one who knows that his or her freedom is inseparable from the liberation of the weak and the helpless. So Luke 4 shows us the power of spiritual liberation, but in experiencing that spiritual liberation then necessitates a practical action. That salvation in Jesus, as shown in Luke 4, requires a practical liberation. And after all, Jesus' words read in Luke 4 describe liberation from the year of Jubilee. Now, the Jubilee year was a celebration that happened every 50 years, and it was set aside as a time of liberation, a time of restoration. And it was a time when all the Israelites would return to their ancestral land, and that those who had become poor would no longer be taken advantage of. Those who were slaves were now released and free. People completed their debts. Debtors were released from prison. Brokenness was mended. Practical liberation is at the heart of Luke 4. Practical liberation is at the heart of Jesus' mission. But it's important to ask why the Jubilee year was necessary. What did it accomplish? Well, in answering that, church, we can then understand our work here at Sanctuary. The reason for the Jubilee year was to address disparity. It served to bring restoration. It addressed the deeper systemic sins and sought to bring a practical liberation to the oppressed. Therefore, if we want to live out Luke 4, if we want to understand the particularities of Christian formation at sanctuary, then we must also ask, what are the systemic sins that plague North Minneapolis? And only in answering that can we actually do the tangible work of Luke 4 here. Now, our founding pastor, Reverend Dr. Ephraim Smith, stated in the first documents of the sanctuary back in 2003, that sanctuary must deal head-on through discipleship with issues of racism, classism, sexism, justice, and oneness within the body of Christ. In fact, he stated that if we want to equip people to live a life of intimacy with God, that a core work of our discipleship is to be proactive about specifically being an anti-racist community. So he states clearly that sanctuary will not tiptoe around the issue of racism. And a major part of the work at sanctuary will be to wrestle with the strongholds of racism and white privilege as disciples of Jesus. So therefore, I believe that addressing racism is essential to discipleship at the sanctuary. And therefore, it's essential to our life and witness in North Minneapolis. Now, Pastor Ephraim stated that anti-racism would be at the heart of discipleship at sanctuary because his broader vision for the church was not just to be a multi-ethnic community apart from a broader community, but intentionally situated in North Minneapolis, a community that has long suffered the pain and the very real disparities of racism. Now, the deepest systemic sin that plagues North Minneapolis, I believe, is racism. And as Sanctuary has been planted to be a part of this community, to bring about the mission statement of Jesus in Luke 4, our work then becomes addressing racism, 
addressing racism intentionally through our formation as disciples. And as we begin to uh, dismantle racism in our community, in our city, then we begin to do that tangible work in Luke 4, bringing good news to the poor, proclaiming release to the captives, giving recovery of sight to the blind, letting the oppressed go free. Because in North Minneapolis, these are intricately bound in racism. So I believe, Sanctuary, that the way of discipleship is the way of liberation, in both spiritual and a practical liberation within our church and in North Minneapolis. Now, for some of us, we might be tempted to think that because we are a diverse church, that because our senior pastor is African-American, because we meet in North Minneapolis, because we're known as this reconciling community, or maybe we have friends who look different than us, that therefore we've arrived, or that we've figured it out at Sanctuary, or at the very least that we don't have to talk about it as much. But the reality is we have a lot of work to do still. And there's research actually that backs that up. It's not not just me saying that. There's research that shows that while the premise of a multi-ethnic church should imply multicultural ways of experiencing Christian faith, research of those multi-ethnic churches actually show that they perpetuate the very inequalities that they seek to dismantle. And unfortunately, sanctuary... We're not exempt from that. We're not immune to that reality. Our work is restoration, restoration to God, and a restoration of what is broken in our world and our community. So how do we continue to address racism? Racism within Sanctuary and in North Minneapolis. Well, I want to suggest briefly four. And these are not exhaustive by any means. But first... I believe that we need to continually identify how racism permeates our community. If we are tempted even in the slightest to judge our neighbors, then part of our repentance needs to include educating ourselves about the very deep and wide history of racism here in North Minneapolis. And then, then we can ask how we perpetuate that, how we strategically and practically dismantle that here. The challenges that we face in North Minneapolis are simply symptomatic of systemic racism. And to understand that is to more fully love our neighbors. Second, we need to continually talk openly about centering people of color and decentering whiteness. Now, because we're a church, because we are working about, uh, we're about the work of reconciliation, we can often be tempted to temper our conversation to temper our conversation about whiteness and just use sanitized language about what racism really is. But to address racism is to address whiteness. And once we understand that no person is exempt from the socialization of racism, then we can actually do the work of dismantling racism. And because we're a church, and again, because we're working towards reconciliation, we can again be tempted to overly equalize. Now, equity and equality are certainly the aim. That's the work of the beloved community. But we also have to understand that we should prioritize and center people of color. 
Because if we don't center people of color, then we'll continue to perpetuate oppression. We will continue to be really the reality of other multi-ethnic churches. After all, Dr. Charles Mills said it well when he said, in understanding the workings of a system of oppression, a perspective from the bottom up is more likely to be accurate than from the top down. Dr. Mills in the racial contract is stating the sentiments of our founding pastor. When he envisioned that sanctuary would be this beautiful, multi-ethnic, racial reconciling community that would also be black-led and black-centered. Otherwise, we will most certainly perpetuate Dr. Mills' very true and chilling statement when he wrote, when white people say justice, they mean just us. Now, to grasp the implications of this statement is to grasp the problem. So to my white brothers and sisters, if this makes us feel uncomfortable or tense or agitated, then first I want to say that that's okay and it's normal. This is part of the work as we call out these painful truths that are being spoken. I also want to invite you that we have a life group called White Fragility, and it is a wonderful space that uh, Mark Thompson is leading as we have this helpful space to wrestle, wrestle with these questions, and especially to move beyond feeling stuck, defensive, or just feeling overcome with guilt. But also, I want to say as your white pastor that if we don't understand how this is relevant to our Christian formation, if we don't understand how we've racialized discipleship and perpetuated racism, then we won't understand the authentic call to discipleship in Luke 4. We won't understand North Minneapolis, and dare I say, we might not even understand Jesus. Third, we need to center our theology in North Minneapolis. If we want to be a part of North Minneapolis, if we want to serve our city, then we need to center North Minneapolis in our theology. And to center North Minneapolis in our theology means that we prioritize the spiritual and the practical liberation of our neighbors. And sure, it means that I believe that we fully live out this we believe statement. We believe that liberation is central to our Christian life and witness in North Minneapolis. Fourth, as we grow as disciples in the city, we have to prioritize reading, interpreting, and applying the Bible in community. One tangible way that we decenter whiteness in our community and our Christian practice together is stop reading the Bible so individualistically. The Bible was written for a community to be understood and wrestled in community, to apply in community. And we grow in our faith, we address racism, and we are better neighbors when we take scripture, when we read it, interpret it, and apply it in community. Now, this is not your pastor saying, don't read your Bible on your own. This doesn't mean that we neglect that practice because that is a central part of our Christian formation, to read the word as we grow as disciples. We also have to remember that there are communal implications and impact of the word of God. Our study of the word has to be informed by this context for liberation for our community. 
So sanctuary, how do we do all of this? It's a big task. How do we seek liberation in North Minneapolis? How do we continue to be formed as disciples of Jesus who seek liberation for our community? Well, I believe Eric Jacobson gives us a natural application when he said that the built environment is not just a place where our lives are lived. It's not just a place, a setting that is shaped by the living of our lives. It is also a place where the story of our salvation is played out. What a beautiful image. In the book, The Space Between, Eric Jacobson writes about what he calls the built environment, which is uh, literally the physical built structure of the city. And what he asks urban Christians to do is to understand how their city is built in such a way that provides the natural connection and witness to our neighbors. And an easy way to understand this is to juxtapose the city with the suburbs. I know a lot of you live in the suburbs, so it's no no slight to y'all, but it's just a helpful way to view it. For example, the suburbs is a physical space that has been planned and built specifically for an individual. A person can live in their home, they can go to their car, they can drive to work or a shopping area, and they could never go outside or never have to interact with another person. The suburb is built for an individual. But a city is different. While we can certainly critique the ways in which city planning has not been helpful or has not centered community building, and especially has hurt places like North Minneapolis, the city is built intentionally to connect people to create community. For one thing, the city has sidewalks everywhere. You can walk and go about your life and actually come into contact with your neighbors. The city uh, connects people more easily in everyday life. Now this isn't, again, a rant against the suburbs, but simply stating that the city can naturally connect us with people if we engage the built environment around us. Now, if we allow it, the physical space around us can actually connect us instead of distancing us from our neighbors. So the question I think that we need to ask is, how does God's story of liberation in my life naturally connect with my neighbor? Or how do I engage the built intersections of the city and engage in liberation in natural ways in North Minneapolis? Now, from my experience living in North Minneapolis, that the most natural ways I've connected with my neighbors has been through parks, playgrounds, and green spaces. And when I asked my daughter recently, uh, her favorite place to go in the summer, right away she shouted with excitement, North Commons! Because this is a place where she loves to go in the summer afternoon, go swimming, and she naturally is so extroverted and meets people really easily, which works really good in my benefit as an introverted person. So I have these natural ways to share with my neighbors what I do. That's always the first question. So what do you do? The work that's being done at Sanctuary, who we are as a community, as a church, all while swimming at the pool. Now I'm sure that many of you can think of other places in North specifically where connection is natural walks around the neighborhood, checking out books at North Regional Library, waiting in the long lunch line for cub chicken, <laughs> grabbing your morning coffee at Sammy's, 
eating outside of breaking bread, or if you don't spend much time in North Minneapolis besides Sunday mornings, then we always have the opportunity to linger just a little longer on Broadway Avenue. We have the opportunity to engage our Christian faith, the good news of salvation, and this mandate for liberation right here in our community. The question is, are we ready? Are we able to link our faith to our community's liberation? Do we embody 1 Peter 3.15 when it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope you have. If you have hope, if you have liberation that the Lord Jesus has given you, are you ready to share that with your neighbors in some of the most natural ways our city is made? Well, I want to invite the worship team up as we can uh, start to conclude. But my hope today, Sanctuary, was really to begin, just begin to answer what Christian formation, what, what discipleship in an urban church in North Minneapolis looks like. Now, I believe really that this is just a start. This is just a framework. This is just my voice. But at its core, I believe the pursuit is liberation. So Sanctuary, what hope what liberation do we share in North Minneapolis? What does North Minneapolis, how does it shape our discipleship journey? If we haven't asked how the city shapes us in our Christian formation, this is a good time to start to wrestle with those questions. In Dr. Brian Bantam in his book, The Death of Race, Building a New Christianity in a Racial World states this, Discipleship is a wrestling with the ways that our lives have been so deeply determined and deformed by this racial world that we can only begin by naming the death that has brought to all of us. All of us. He also writes that race is the lie that I can be who I am without you. That race is a system that makes some people's thriving contingent on other people's dehumanization. Christian discipleship is the confession that I am not me without you. And that our community is not whole while some are being perpetually diminished. Now, at the beginning of this sermon, I stated that we believe that liberation is central to our Christian life and witness in North Minneapolis. But church, as long as we perpetuate, as long as we perpetuate the destruction and the dehumanization of racism, then we can't live into Jesus' mission statement in Luke 4. We can't live into this mission statement, this beautiful picture of restoration and liberation. And we know that the only way to true liberation is through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who sets us free at the cross. That this Savior, who himself was crucified by the empire, who was so fearful that people were beginning to taste their freedom, their liberation. This Savior who dies in such a way that seems so far from victory. This Savior who walked our humanity, who understands the systems, who spoke truth in the face of power, and who liberated us at the cross. This Savior, Jesus Christ, is our hope and where our liberation is found. 
And we as a community, as we continue to wrestle what it means to be an urban church here in North Minneapolis, that is the central truth that through Jesus Christ is liberation and we witness and extend that to our neighbors. So church, would you stand as we continue to worship this morning?